All right, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to the Beauty and the Beast Physical Therapy and Strength and Conditioning Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Ross Childs. Happy Thursday, everyone. Glad that it's another sunny day out, so hopefully you guys get a chance to enjoy the sun before listening to the podcast. Uh, we really have been enjoying the... Um, more of our talks on nutrition for the the last couple of podcasts, and it seems like everyone's been been pretty engaged. Now, the one thing that's come up recently is really the the role that nutrition plays uh, in in cancer or diseases in general, and uh, a lot of people are pointing to, to certain research studies about that. So, Adam and I just really wanted to take a you know a deeper dive into really what the the research may say and. And really talking about some of the limitations with with the study and the different variables that are associated with that. And we just have to remember that with research, and I talk about this with my students at Franklin Pierce all the time, you can always find research that's for your point or against it. You know, you, you if you just type in protein and cancer, you're gonna find 50,000 articles that are that show you the link between it, and then you're gonna find 50,000 articles that say, no, there's no link between it. So uh, again, you know, really it comes down to your beliefs, your philosophy with it. If you just look at one article and, and take it as gospel, um, you know, that, that's probably what evidence-based medicine wants you to do, but it's not, it's not practical, and that's just not the way things work. So we have to remember, even if they do a study in 50,000 people, 50,000 people is still a very small study compared to three, how many people are in the world? Two billion, three billion, something oh, like God, that. Oh, God, seven or eight at this I, point. I, I, don't, I think it's like I don't, eight or nine I don't billion No, I think the U.S. was like 324 three, yes. billion and then... 324 No, no, million, million and then yeah. two billion and I think in the U.S. or the world. I don't freaking know. Don't care either. But again, <laughs> my point is 50,000 is still a small study. You know, we'll talk about the Framingham Heart Study and... and different studies that have been ongoing for 50 plus years now. Yeah, and I think, you know, the biggest thing to remember is that, yes, you can, that any of one of these studies, it's looking to find, it's looking to prove one thing. And I'm not saying that scientific studies, there's, I'm not saying that scientific studies aren't important, they help frame everything as a whole, but you have to be really careful about looking at one scientific study and using that to frame your entire (coughs) approach about anything, whether it's, whether it's nutrition, whether it's, you know, I'm not, we're not going to even get into any sort of vaccine type stuff. But I'm saying even if it's vaccine, like you can't use one article or one I, person's opinion. I would actually love to hear you go into that. Not not so much the specifics of it, but just the way that you react and respond. I, I could just tell that's something that would just light you up. That would it get would. you hot <laughs> under the collar. Yeah, and having a... Um, <laughs> And having a uh, significant other who is in, who has a degree in microbiology and knows all about vaccines and all that sort of stuff too, that is also on that side helps me uh, get extra, extra, extra hot under the yes, collar. Yes, yes, yes. So um, I don't want to get into that though, because that's a opening Pandora's box. But my point is that even like, even with something like vaccines or whatever, you you can't just look at one. You may find something that you know, supports your point or may something that you worry about, but you have to look at the overall, um, the overall framework Yeah. because otherwise stuff is going to get missed. If you're looking for a connection between two things, that means that they're only focused on those two things. 
which is great, but then you have to combine the information you got from that study with another like another study that involves those two things plus a third thing, and then maybe that third thing plus a fourth thing. Like it, and, and this is where why we can end up with such fractured ideas on nutrition and and uh, health and all this sort of stuff is because somebody takes you know the New York Post. I probably shouldn't say actual names. I don't think I have to worry about the New York Post dropping in. And I, I'm not even going to say anything specific that they – that's just the one that came top of my head. Some random you know, major newspaper takes a line out of one research study and spreads that among 5 million, pe- 5 million subscribers. And now all of a sudden you know, uh, green beans are linked to you know, suicide attempt in men over 65 because they did a study that found that you know, whatever I totally I no, made no, that, all of that, that completely sounded pretty, up that sounded pretty legit right there I know that didn't it really isn't that scary how legit you can make it sound <laughs> uh, when you just put it into that phrasing but that's the thing is but that you know sure I mean and we see a lot of those articles and that's not saying those articles are necessarily bad no you know but for a, a journalist you know, really what they're trying to do is uncover the truth. So are they really uncovering the truth by just saying one side of the story? You know, when if there were an article that said green beans were associated with yada yada in age 65, well, did they do the research to actually look at the other end of the spectrum? You know, is that the truth? You know, and and what we need to remember is there's, there's a hierarchy of evidence, you know, and, and um, or, or levels of evidence for that matter. You know, really what we're looking at is the methodological, uh, methodological quality, the, the validity of it, and is there any type of uh, applicability. So really the, the design of the study. And really what we should be looking at are really systematic reviews and meta-analyses. You know, really what they do is they pool together all the different research, and really they, they will say based on these 36 studies, based on these 150 studies, this is what the evidence shows. You know, and then we go down to another uh, lower quality but still pretty high which would be probably considered like a level two which is our RCTs randomized control trials and then we start going into our case series case studies and usually at the bottom is usually expert opinion so not that I'd necessarily call us experts by any means but in theory what we're doing is low on the totem pole so Mm -hmm. every time we talk on this podcast you know that's considered the lowest form of evidence based off of the hierarchy of evidence so when we are getting our information, really we should be looking at systematic reviews and meta-analyses. You know, because when we look at an RCT, when we look at a case study, again, is it really applicable to who we're dealing with? You know, and, and sometimes in those RCTs, it's very controlled and that's not the real world and we're dealing with case series. You may only be dealing with nine to 11 people. Um, when you're dealing with a case study, that's really only one person, maybe three. You know, and, and what I like about case studies is sometimes that really captures the clinical application of. Um, but again, it's, we, can't base, we can't base our information, our knowledge off of one to three studies or one to three people. So, you know, as we're going through, we have to remember where are we getting our information from? You know, because w- with a research study, you know, especially if there's only one author, or one investigator, you're based off of their biases. You're hoping that they're unbiased going into it. But if someone's going in looking for a link with cancer and and some type of uh, macronutrient, if you look hard enough, you're going to find it. And if you're trying to find no link between cancer and some uh, protein or whatever it may be, and you already think in your head there's not one, you're probably going to find it. So you always have to take into the account 
the information, how it is uh, interpreted by the investigator. So, you know, when, when we look at something and it says, oh, such and such, there's no correlation between X, Y, and Z. All right, so there's no correlation. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist, it just means there's no correlation. Or when a research study says there may be a correlation between the two, maybe, but maybe not. So again, we just have to do our own research and we have to we have to be uh, have some critical inquiry. You know, we we have to be able to to question the norm. We have to be willing to um, be our own thinkers and not just, you know, take the words on the piece of paper or the computer screen as gospel. Right. I mean, you and there are a lot of things you have to remember too when you look into this stuff that the other reason that you have to be careful is that there are a lot of things that we can't necessarily measure. So like we we talked a lot about we've talked a lot about in the last couple podcasts about, you know, you and I specifically and how we reacted macros differently. I mean, for all we know, you know, Ross's Ross's ancestors grew up somewhere where they didn't have a lot of access to, you know, berries and all that sort of stuff or whatever. And yeah. so they lived on mostly killing and eating animals. Whereas for all I know, my ancestors lived for 3,000 years next to a giant berry patch. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's so many things that can be so different from one person to the other. And there's no way to really, I suppose maybe you could look at insulin... Um, uh, what's the word? Insulin, like how how much your insulin affect? I can't think of the freaking word. Insulin resistance. Not resistance. The Sen- opposite of resistance. sensitivity. Sensitivity. Thank you. I mean, like I suppose you could maybe measure insulin sensitivity and maybe denote some of those, but there's really no way to like figure out that like, okay, Ross's body is more in tune to handle that type of nutrition, whereas my body much more very or much more prefers this type mm-hmm. there's no way to measure that in a scientific setting in that way so that's not saying that scientific studies are all invalid because you can't bring in all the variables but you have to read between the lines and some of them and see where like okay like i said they're only looking for these two things so yes that's some good information but i might need to see how those two things are affected by these two things yeah which aren't things that aren't necessarily able to be studied well, and again, there's multiple variables that, that go into it. So when you say, all right, there's a there's a link in individuals 50 to 65 with a higher intake of, of protein levels. Okay, great. But what type of lifestyle do they have? What else are they taking in for, for macronutrients? What's their fitness levels? Again, you have to make sure all that stuff is standardized across the board and able to just look at protein and say, yes, there is a link between protein and, and cancer. So, and again, we're not... We're not here to say, yes, this is right. Yes, this is wrong. We're here to say, just have an open mind about things. You know, again, if they did a research study of 50,000 people, that may not be applicable to you. Yes, it gives us an idea. Um, but, but again, what's the applicability to you, your situation, the variables that you play with? Um, so... You know, just just have an open mind. That's really the biggest key. Right. And and the other thing, too, is that it, it doesn't always take into... You have to think about different, um, different branches of science, too. So, like, the one that I always tend to come back around to is when, God forbid, I told people that carbs are not the worst thing since heroin. And I got absolutely blasted for saying that. Well, not saying... I didn't actually say the heroin thing. But, like, saying that... 
But when you read through a lot of the research, it says that yes, carbs can add to and you know like sugar that kind of thing can add to some issues but but i also think and not not to cut you off you know we we have to we have to define uh, again what a carb actually is right you know so so a lot of people are like i don't eat carbs but i eat vegetables and fruits i'm like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) what do you think those are yeah so we're still eating carbs now should we be having processed carbs no should we be having refined carbs refined sugars no so you know, and, and what we do know, and, and I was thinking about this ever since that, you know, I saw that you had to take a post down and, and things along those lines. And I heard someone say this before, but it never really registered with me. There's really no such thing as a bad food. Mm-hmm. I mean, cupcakes, whatever. It's an indulgence. I wouldn't even call it bad. There's bad habits. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, if you want a cookie, have a goddamn cookie. See, but this, this is where I was going to. It's like you have to look at the mental part of it too. Yeah. And that doesn't show up on a study about how carbohydrates affect the body and how it can be seen as addictive and all this stuff. Well, and we can say that with ever, every well, macronutrient. Right. What's the person's stress level? Right. How's their body, you know, how much uh, cortisol they're pumping out? Right. But then we have to get into... Um, God, uh, the endocrinology of it. How are right. the hormones playing into this? So... There's just so many fucking variables that I mean, it's like, it, right. f- for fuck's sake, the average person lives 75 years. Yeah. Do, do I want to have a f- goddamn dick measuring contest talking <laughs> about fucking protein all the time? Right. No. If I want to have a goddamn ribeye, I'm going to have a ribeye. If I want to have a fucking ice cream cake, I'm going to de- eat an ice cream yeah. cake. Am I going to have a ribeye and an ice cream cake every goddamn day? No, I'm not. I mean, come on. Let's, let's just stop being assholes about it and just let's live our lives don't eat in excess. Don't, I mean, develop a better relationship with food. Don't eat sugary shit every single day so that it's, you know, coming out your gills. Let's let's just be fucking honest with ourselves. Uh, but it, it comes down to priorities. Right. You know, what's more important to the person? You know, a lot of people aren't willing to put in the time and effort for health. Right. The one thing that we have full control over. Now people will say, well, you know, it's expensive to eat healthy. Potentially, but if you eat healthy, you also don't need as much food because you're getting the nutrients that you need. So, again, there we can always play devil's advocate, right. you know. And so I, I don't want to get too far off track. We'll go back to as you can see. I'm and I mean, like, yeah, I know you're getting, getting all a, hot. And I'm getting a little warm now. Well, I mean, and like, so you talked about stress levels and stuff like that, and then you got super stressed to amplify the point, which yeah. was perfect. <laughs> but. So, like, even that, right? So, let's say that you take 50,000 people from the East Coast, go, 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 like, you work till you die of the U.S., and then you compare it to 50,000 people from Finland or Sweden, someplace where everything's a lot slower, and they win the, you know, the award for best place to live every, best country to live in every year, and, like, all where the stress and that type of stuff, at least in my, from what I've seen see i would imagine is lower mm-hmm. i don't know that for sure but i would think that comparatively speaking it's lower okay so you take fifty thousand people and fifty thousand people from here there and give them the exact same protocol and you could have completely different outcomes just because of the levels of cortisol and other stress hormones and sure. lack of sleep and they're much more focused on your personal health than we are and like so you could you could do the exact same study with two completely different groups of people and have completely different results, even though you didn't change the conditions of the experiment. Yeah. 
You know, and, and that's like when we when we look at different parts of the world and what people can eat. I think I mentioned this before. You know, you look at the Inuits and the Eskimos. They have a special gene in their body that is better at utilizing fats because mm-hmm. you know they eat seals and they they do have whale blubber and their diet can be eighty percent fat. Z- very very low risk of cardiac disease. Like that's that's unheard of. They don't have the opportunity because the ground's frozen most of the year. You know, they, they can't get vegetation that good. Sometimes they'll have tubers that are that they can use, but it's mostly just protein and fat. Yeah. No cardiac disease or, or minimal. I won't say no. And then you look at native tribes in, in Africa. You know, sometimes they don't have the availability for the fat like the Eskimos and Inuits do. Yep. So they actually have to have most of their carbs from or most of their nutrients from carbs, you know, right. 60 to 80%. Again, those tribes usually are very lean and they, they are hunter gatherers still. So we have to look at that as well, their activity level associated with it. And then we will look at um, Asian countries. They're better at metabolizing white rice than, than people in the United States. They, they, they actually have a gene for that. They've showed that. Right. So again, we have to take that into account as well. But for the people that say protein is bad for us, you know, or, or high protein, we evolved with protein. We evolved with, with fats. We evolved with sunlight. What's different now is the bullshit that we put up with day to day. So is it the protein that's bad for us? Or is it our stress level? Is it all the other bush bullshit that we're putting up with? You know, we could blame the goddamn power lines. We can blame the fumes coming out of our exhaust system. We can blame staring at a computer screen and the EMFs coming out of it. So to just say protein causes X, fuck you. Until you can prove to me that all these other factors are are not a significant player in the game, like I can't listen to that. You know, we evolved from this stuff. You know, evolution, I, I don't care how people want to look at it. We evolved from hunting animals. You know, and if someone wants to talk about plant protein, fine. There's probably some benefits to it as well. But don't sit here and tell me that we don't need animal protein. Because we do. We evolved from it. And it takes about 10,000 years minimum for our genes to switch. You know, we're not there yet. Oh, interesting. I never heard the actual... I mean, like, I knew it was a long time. I'd never actually seen... I'd never actually heard how yeah. long it... You know, and, and when we look at, like, a lot of people and... You know, again, I don't want to get too far off topic, but when we look at like the topic of, of grains, for example, when growing grains, when, when we first started growing grains, there was only 46 chromosomes in the grain that we ate. It was called iron corn. We could probably process it much easier. The grains we have nowadays has 96 chromosomes, so twice as many. Yeah. So again, what's our body going to do? Our genome has not changed in that time frame since we started the agricultural era. And actually, I, I messed up my numbers. Agriculture era started around 10,000 years ago. It takes about 100,000 years for our genes to actually, okay. actually right. adapt. That, yeah, okay. So, again, that's why the, the whole paleo thing became big is because our actual DNA, our genetics, our structural makeup has not changed. But society has changed, you know, and the way that we recommend things has changed, mm-hmm. you know. Are we our own worst enemies? Probably. You know, here we are, we're we're supposed to be so sophisticated, but is that actually the case? I'm not going to be the one to say yes or no. I have my own philosophy on it, Um, but I, I, when, when we get into absolutes, that's when we run into problems. Yeah. And I think too, 
And we talk about this. This comes up in some way in every single podcast, I feel like. You have to learn to listen to your body on some level, too. Like... What is your, what is your emotional makeup like? Well, what, what is your relationship I, with food? Right. Eat that and also just like how do you feel when you eat X, Y, or Z way or do X, Y, or Z... Like... If you're on, if your goal is to lose weight, let's say, or just have more energy, let's not even go to lose weight, let's say to have more energy. Maybe you think that you're, by losing weight, you're going to have more energy, whatever, but maybe your ultimate goal is you want to feel better, have more energy. Well, if you're eating a certain way for six months and you never feel like you have more energy or you never feel better, that means that something about what you're doing is not what your body wants. Mm -hmm. It's not, you're not imagining it. It's not like, okay, and that's where I think that the trouble come, where like the scientific stuff can come, can really cloud things. You are eating fine. You fine meaning like you feel fine with what you're eating. You don't have any issues with your relationship with this food or that food. You feel like you have pretty good levels of energy. You know, like you're happy with the way you feel. And then a study comes out and says that uh, whole milk is going to make your bones explode tomorrow. And you're like, fuck, I've been drinking whole milk for years. God, I'm so screwed. And now you're cutting out whole milk. And now you're cutting out. And then you like, oh, God, what else have I been doing wrong? And then you and then another study comes out. And again, the green bean study we talked about earlier. And now you're worried about that. So, <laughs> so between green beans causing X, Y, and Z and, right. and adults 65 and then whole milk making your bones explode. Right. You're fucking people up today. I know. I'm only I'm only slightly exaggerating. My point is, though, is that you, you feel fine. You're okay with all your decisions. And then somebody comes out and tells you that that's not correct. And then not only are you liable to think that you've been doing everything wrong, but then... When you cut that stuff out and you start feeling worse, you start like, oh, well, I know that I don't feel better, but these people said that X, Y, and Z was wrong, so I guess this is just how I'm supposed to feel. No, it's not. I mean... <sighs> once once we hear about uh, the sale of whole milk dropping in the Concord Nature region, we'll now <laughs> no. know why. Hood's going to be coming after me for <laughs> slander. <laughs> oh, this is, this, this is good. This but, is good. Right. I mean, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm sensationalizing it, but at the same time, you have to learn to, you know, listen. It's it's like how it's like running. Okay, running has got gets, you know, it was so big for so long, and now it's starting to get kind of a. I'm not saying that I think it has a bad rap per se, but people are starting to take aim at running as reasons for chronic injuries and overstress and all this sort of stuff. And but at the same time, it's like okay, if you go out and run. And you feel like absolute shit after, then maybe you're doing too much running. But if you go out and run and you feel great after, then maybe you don't listen to the asshole who says that running is going to kill you. Yeah. Because your body, nine times out of ten, will tell you if you are doing in some way. Correct. Will tell you you're doing more than it can take. Whether well, it's pain, yeah. whether it's exhaustion, whether it's chronic you know chronically feeling sick or run down or your body will tell you if you feel good and your body is functioning well you feel like you have energy you're happy with go what's then you're doing something right yeah well i mean we look at exercise and we'll just jump to we'll stay on exercise because you picked running 
not enough exercise or too much exercise can cause problems. Right. You know, we do see, especially with uh, endurance athletes, you know, those people that do ultra marathons over and over and over again, chronic cardio leads to systemic inflammation, which can lead to cardiac disease. And there's research papers to prove it. I'm not just pulling this out of my ass. There's actual research to prove it. Now, do they show that in people that just go out and run recreationally? No, it does not show that. And then people say, well, running's bad for your knees. No, your bad knees were bad for running. You know, but running itself does not make a bad knee. And it's even shown, and I actually on my um, Fit for Life page, I posted the infographic from the British uh, Journal of Sports Medicine that showed people who recreationally run generally have a lower incidence of knee osteoarthritis compared to sedentary individuals. So now it sounds like people are probably making up an excuse to not run for their bad knees or they're making up an excuse they have perfectly good knees and they just don't want to run which if you don't want to run that's fine right you know i i don't enjoy running so but you know i still do it every once in a while when it's planned in but i'm not going on 10 15 20 mile runs it's just it's it's not for me so uh, again anything we can take that mindset where not enough fats bad for us too much fats bad for us you know not enough carbs, bad for us. Too much carbs, bad for us. Protein's the same thing. You know, it, it's just, we've got to live somewhere in the middle, you know, and if some people may tolerate proteins more, you know, can take in larger amounts of protein and not have any issue. I mean, when when we look at, you know, just for, for shits and giggles, you know, Adam and I went on PubMed and just typed in dietary protein and cancer risk. And over 11,000 articles popped up just with that one one search, you know, and then we started to read through them and some of them said, yeah, there may be an association with it. And then the other one said, there's no association with cancer and dietary protein. So do I want to take all my time reading through that? No. But if I only read one of them, I'd be like, well, this one says no, let's just go with it. Right. Um, or this one says, yeah, shit, let's not eat X, Y, and Z. But there's just, there's so much flawed research out there. And, and especially when it comes in terms of, of animal proteins uh, or people talking about protein or red meat and cardiac disease, you know, a lot of that was flawed in the 1950s and that was performed by Ansel Keys who started all this. Um, nowadays, they're looking at his research and saying, no, this is, this is flawed. Like this should have never have flown back then, but they didn't know any better. You know, the way they did research back in the 50s is a lot different than the way they do it today. And, you know, I'm not saying the research of today is is the best, but you know the standardization, the way they go about you know gathering data and and, and the way they go about synthesizing it, it is it is improved, and, and they've basically debunked everything that he said back from his studies way back in the day. You know, and it's just it's interesting to see that. You know, I, I look at nutrition kind of like politics and religion you know people get really butthurt <laughs> yeah, about these no things shit. there's one stance and one stance only yeah and uh i just no thanks it's just not it's not for me right you know you have your way of eating i have my way of eating all i care about adam is that you are healthy you know right. my goal for you is that someday when we're both in our 70s you know, we can still be talking to each other right. and we're still living a happy and robust lifestyle we're still working out that's all I give a shit about. Right. You know, I, it's like, oh, Adam, Adam eats plant protein. I don't like them anymore. <laughs> and no, that's that's not what it comes down to. Right. And I think the whole, I mean, the whole crux of this entire conversation, podcast, whatever you want to call it, is 
like we want people. It's not because Ross and I really want to sit up here on our on our golden thrones and say like, "Ha, huh, we're right and you're all wrong." No, it's just that we want people to understand that, like, we want you to be healthy and feel good. Like, and it, if you at the end of the day, if you feel better at you know forty you know, a small amount of protein per day, if you feel good that way and you feel like you have the energy and whatever, then then fine. That's fine with me. I have no issue with you eating the way that you, you know, want to or based on your beliefs or whatever it is. You know, that that's totally fine. But for those of us out there that might not feel the same way, eating a certain way, they need to know that that's that's okay. That that yeah. if they need to eat differently or exercise differently or think differently, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. It's that it, that one person's ability to eat a certain way does not translate to somebody else's ability to eat mm-hmm. that same way. Yeah, I mean there there's. I would love to go back to a lot of these studies that show a link between protein and cancer and, and whether you're looking at, you know, insulin-like growth factor or different type of hormones in the body, whatever it may be, or certain protein levels, you know, also at the same time measure their cortisol levels. Mm-hmm. You know, do they have higher cortisol levels overall? So, you know, again, it, it's just a matter of what works best for you. What else are you doing to also lower the risk as well? Right. You know, because again, we, we, we talked about this before the podcast. It's like seafood, for example, you know, fish specifically. Fish is good for us. But if we have too much fish, we may have too much mercury in our system, which may cause problems. Some type of mercury poisoning, toxicity, yada, yada, yada. So are you going to avoid fish because of that? No. I mean, I don't, I like fish. I, yeah. I, I just don't eat it enough. So when I eat it, I'm not going to worry about it. No. But then also, can you do something to now offset set that? Can you use some type of a um, detoxifier? Can you take um, spirulina or chlorella, which is basically just uh, plants from the ocean that mm-hmm. are known metal detoxifiers? Yeah. So are you offsetting that risk? You know, I mean, we have to we have to understand in today's world, everything causes cancer. You know, Adam and I sitting in front of these computers week after week is probably increasing our, our chance if we're believing in EMFs and blue light and all that shit. Um, you know, every time we eat food, our body creates reactive oxygenated species, which again can can cause problems in high amounts in our system, which is why we take um, antioxidants to begin with. So everything causes cancer does that mean we're just going to hide in a cave for the rest of our lives and not eat you know again when our body takes in oxygen which we need to live when we metabolize oxygen our body creates byproducts that are bad for us so we have to get rid of them you know so as far as as nature is concerned I, i truly believe nature gives us everything that we need you know and then and look at the trees so we take in oxygen then we have to pull off our, our CO2, which is then used by the trees, which then converts it back to oxygen, which we can breathe again. So again, and I don't care if we're talking about you know, how we were created, but something knew that everything that we needed was here around us. So would it really put something around us if we didn't need it? You right. know, And things that are around us that are more artificial, it's man-made, and that's our own damn problem. You know, But when we when we start to talk about 
you know, like uh, HDL versus LDL, good and bad cholesterol. You know, LDL gets a bad rap. LDL is in us. It's normal. HDL brings the cholesterol out to the body. LDL brings it back to the to the liver. If our body did not want LDL, it wouldn't have had it there in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's the nomenclature that we use. It's the it's the misinformation that we're given. Um, we, we just got to think a little more rational instead of just saying, oh, so-and-so has said this to us. You know, let's let's just run with what they say you know you really have to what again what works for you what makes you feel best we're we're not saying you know eat cancer or cancer filled foods you know just eat it straight that's a new new diet we're coming out with straight cancer yeah we're, we're not we're not saying you know don't don't live a healthy lifestyle that's far from it but are we gonna live in fear because if that's the case, we might as well not eat anything. You eat too much fruit, it increases too much uh, insulin in your body, which also is, increases cortisol, and that's going to cause some type of a problem down the road. It's going to burn out your adrenal gland, and then all the other systems in your body are going to get fucked up. You take in too much sugar, you know that can throw off brain-derived neurotropic factor in your brain, so you don't have neurogenesis anymore, so then you start losing brain cells. You can blame everything. That's the, you pick, pick one food group, pick one thing that you do in your daily life, you know, there's probably some research article that says, if you listen to music too loud, you're going to develop brain cancer. And then they'll probably draw a link that the music going in will then start to stimulate X, Y, and Z. And if you do that too much, it can't repair itself and then so on and so forth. And then someone will truly believe if you listen to music too loud, you're going to get brain cancer. It's just, that's how this shit starts. And, and then, again, if one person says, oh, I read this, then all of a sudden that's what happens. So, you know, we just have to be mindful of that. Yeah. yeah I don't even know if we stayed on track with what we were trying to go with today. No, we did. I'm just, I'm trying to think of where to, <laughs> I mean. No, I, I, think- I think at the end of the day, you know, and, and we may be finishing off with the with the same same point, you know, really it comes down to your relationship with food. What's the emotional aspect of it? What's your, you know, what are your behaviors with it? Um, yeah. I mean, because I think when you, you come back and I don't know why this, maybe because like carbs is the biggest thing right now that I, I end up fighting people on. But I always think it's it's funny to me that we've gotten to the point now where we believe our cravings are 100% emotional. There is no mechanical... Um, Everything's emotional in today's world. Right, exactly. So, like, I, you know, I've had this conversation with a few different people. And I've had one specifically with a current client who's a... Um, she's an athlete. She needs carbs. She needs this type of stuff. And, you know... I've been noticing... I've been trying... I've been getting more protein in. Awesome. That's great. I've been noticing that the, but I'm having a harder time staying away from the dessert table. So I'm like eating popcorn at night and stuff like that. That tells me that your body is telling you that you need the carbs. Yeah. When, I, when you know that they're, I mean like her sleep is good and all that. So there's under nutrition that? somewhere. Right. Exactly. And that's what your body will do. It, your body will send you. And because evolutionary speaking, that high, um, High sugar, that's not the word I'm looking for, but you know what I mean. High high insulin response, I guess. That stuff was, because it is so high in that quick sugar, it 
evolutionary became a it you get a hit of dopamine right dopamine i can't remember if it's dopamine or serotonin but you get that hit both you get that hit when you have it because it was so important for you to have it yeah so that carries over so yes your craving is for something sweet because evolutionary it's like what's the quickest thing i can find that's going to give me the biggest hit Mm -hmm. but at its base a lot of times that can have to do with not having enough carbohydrates period involved in the process. Yeah. So like, no, it's not all just that you like candy. It's that you're having a sugar craving because it, your body isn't necessarily going to, it can't distinguish a signal for you need rice. So it sends the highest value thing that you have a craving for, which for a lot of people is sweet. Mm-hmm. So like you have to, if you're, if you've gone six months and you're like, Oh, I can't have sugar because I crave sugar. I can't have sugar because I crave sugar. I can't have sugar because I crave sugar. Guess what? Unless you have some really emotional stuff going on for an extended period of time, more often than not, that's your body telling you that it needs something. Yeah. Not just that you are having a bad day for six months straight, yeah. and that's why your cravings are there. And listen, if, if you made it six months without it, you've earned the right to have it. Okay, right, yeah. I, I yeah. mean, it... it People are like, well, I really wanted this, but I didn't have it. It's like, oh my God, just have it. I really wanted it. Because if you avoid it, you you are setting yourself up for failure. A major binge. Yeah. You know, major. And, and again, it goes back to, you know, it's, it's really the people that it's like, I've been trying to eat healthier, but, you know, I went out last night and I had X, Y, and Z, so I'm just going to give up. Right. Was it really the night worth of eating and drinking like crap that caused all this? Or was it now your lack of, or I won't even say a lack of, was it the emotional state that you're now in that caused that? Right. You know, because you were perfectly fine while you were doing it. Right. You know, and then afterwards you feel bad. There's the guilt. No, just own it and then get back on. Um, Right. You know, and again, you may run into a risk where you eat. Too much protein, you know, which may cause, which may increase your risk of cancer, or it may not. You know, if if you go out tonight and you have a, a steak, are you going to look at that piece of steak and say, "Wow, this may cause cancer. I'm not going to eat it." No. Yeah. I mean, I, I I wouldn't necessarily do that. I don't eat pasta much, not because I'm against pasta. I ate it a lot as a kid, so I think I just got sick of it. But mm-hmm. if I do like a lasagna every once in a while, if I go out and have a lasagna tonight, I'm not going to look at it and say, "Man, I'm going to get fat." I'm going to be like, oh, shit, I haven't had lasagna in a long time. I am going to devour every last bit of this. <laughs> I know. I'm. Pro- and, and the thing is, you know, when, when I don't have sugars, I don't have carbs, things like that, um, when my body needs to increase insulin to get rid of that uh, glucose now in my blood, my heart rate goes up, I get full-blown sweats, I can't sleep that night, and I am perfectly okay with that <laughs> because the amount that I do it, I really don't care. Right. You know? However, if I did it every night... That's not a good thing, you know, that my body is expecting it. Uh, I'm not saying my body utilizes it better, but, you know, my body now desensitizes itself to that influx of, of sugar and whatever other nutrients come with that. So I just I just don't care. But that, that has more to do with, with the behavior change that I've been able to sustain over the last 12 to whenever I lost all my weight and have been able to keep it off but that that's been the biggest difference you know i i don't get mad at myself for doing these things so you know i think bottom line is you know if you are looking up research to figure out 
what macronutrients you should and shouldn't be eating. Again, I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt. Just make sure there's your due diligence to, to look at both ends of the spectrum. Um, you have to develop your own philosophy with it. You know, if, if every aspect of your life is going, I won't even say, it, if it's going well, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and you, there's, you do end up taking in more than 40 to 50 grams per day, there's a good chance that you are not going to develop cancer. Now, again, I'm, I'm not saying there's no chance. I'm just saying there's a good chance. So don't run off to your MD and say, well, Ross and Adam said this, and Adam's not even saying it. It's me, so don't just blame me for it. Um, but we can never take away all risk. It doesn't matter what you're talking about. You know, you baby-proof a house, there's still a risk that a baby can get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so when we're trying to cancer-proof ourselves or disease-proof ourselves, we can never do it 100% or we can never have the relative risk become zero. If we're doing everything that we can that's in our power to make sure we're as healthy as can be without being neurotic, we are setting ourselves up for the best chance of success. Is there a chance that we would fail? Sure. But this is a chance where our, our percentage or probability of success outweighs our probability of failure. So, I don't want to feel like I'm just preaching. You know? No, so no, hopefully, I know. Hopefully, the message that I'm getting across is live. Right. You know, don't don't get bogged down with the nitty gritty. You know, unless you're a, a a bodybuilder and you're trying to put on five pounds of muscle and trying to get down to three percent body fat, like that. That's the only time I want you to get nitty gritty with things. But other than that, you still got to live. You still got to enjoy life. I'm, I personally am not gonna. Unless they've done my biomarkers and they say, listen, based off of your genetics, you are at a 98% chance of developing cancer. You know, I'm not going to do it. You know, my, I have people in my immediate family that have had cancer. Does that stop me from doing things? No, because I'm giving myself the best chance of success by eating what I consider to be healthier, by exercising by trying to maintain a healthy sleep schedule, although it's it's limited right now with the amount of things that I do. You know, I, I try to do the best I can with stress management, which comes along with my exercise. So no one's gonna be perfect at it, but as long as we're continually striving for an optimum balance, you know, not perfect, but an optimum balance for you at a given time. You know, and that's really the basis of what they call Um, not homeostasis, but allostasis. Mm -hmm. So homeostasis at a given point in time. So as long as our body can create an allostasis at that point, you know, then, then I think really that sets us up for, for success over the long term. Yep. I completely agree. I think that's a good place to end it though. Uh, I I would say so too, because if we stay on, we'll, we'll completely lose our focus. We'll go off on another tangent and, you know, really with this one, people may say, wow, you guys really went off the rails on this one, but that's, that's okay. You know, sometimes we're going to, we wanted this one to be kind of a little bit more um, loose, I guess. Loose, free flowing instead yeah. of having it, just because we really didn't know where we were going to take it. So, um, you know, we'd appreciate some feedback. So, you know, we're here for you guys. Yeah. You know, we we, we want to give you the information that we think can help you the, the best. So, you know, every once in a while, if we, we fly off the hinges um, trying to talk about these things, you know, it, it's really for everyone's benefit and, and it's not for us just to, to sit here and, and preach. So 
Uh, with that said, I'll stop talking. I feel like I've done a lot of that today. <laughs> it's all right. All right, guys. So quick reminder, in our uh, description of the e- of the uh, episode, excuse me, will be a link to Ross's Fit for Life PT page where he does an Ask Ross everything every other Thursday, which is this week. Uh, so today, for those of you listening, is the 5th of May, so 7.30 uh, p.m. Eastern Time. You can log in on that, ask any questions that you have, and he'll address them as best he can. Um, also, a link to Is Your Wellevate page. Up. Yeah, so just for those of you who you who have used Wellevate, the Wellevate is still going to be active for a while, but um, we're switching over to a company called Fullscript. There's been a merger, so once I have all that information changed over, uh, we'll put the, the new link at the bottom of the page. But the setup is, is relatively the same. The only thing that's really changing is just the name. Okay, cool. All right, and also a link to my page as well as my email if you have any specific questions that we can answer on other uh, podcast episodes. But in the meantime, guys, have yourself a fantastic Cinco de Mayo, and we will talk to you next week. We're out.